I just want to let you all know that there was a breakthrough this week on my horse. I actually sang and she didn't look, give me a dirty look. So I just want you to keep praying. My singing ability will continue to improve. Moving right along, we're going to finish up this series on why I am here in the book of Ephesians this morning. And uh, I just want to review a little bit with you where we've come from because we've come a long ways over eight weeks of this study in the book of Ephesians. And we started out by saying, number one, the most important thing we can do in our lives is to know God, to get to know God, not just know about him, but to know God. The second week we talked about getting in the game, how God didn't recreate us to sit on the bench, but he wanted us to be workmanship that he's created in a special way as, God, as his own masterpiece. And then the third week, we talked about how important it is to comprehend his love. That's such a critical component in our lives to be able to know and understand that Jesus loves me every single day of my life. The fourth week we talked about, we use the term bring it. In other words, discovering what position do we play on this team called the church? How do I fit in? And we talked about spiritual gifts. Then the week after that, we talked about what it is to make a difference in the lives of other people. A couple weeks ago, we talked about carpe diem and how important it is to seize each moment because the days are evil. Amen. And, and we need to make the most of every opportunity that God gives us. And last week, we talked about submission. And this week, we want to talk about what it means to stand firm. You know, on December 22nd in 1944... There was a Battle of the Bulge. Many of you uh, are familiar with World War II. It was a very big turning point in the war. The 101st Airborne was hunkered down near a little town called Bastogne. And they were surrounded completely by Germans, which was not unusual for the 101st Airborne because they would usually drop in and they would be behind enemy lines. But it was a very, very delicate and desperate situation for the Americans. And so the Germans thought because the Americans were vulnerable at that point, they sent a couple of messengers across enemy alliance with a white flag and basically told the Americans, uh, the 101st, that it would be wise for them to surrender at this point because they were completely surrounded. And if they didn't, that they would completely obliterate not only them, but the town of Bastogne and many innocent lives would be killed. Well, that message was sent to a general whose name was McAuliffe, and he was awakened from a sleep, actually, by a couple of messengers, and his response to the Germans was nuts, if you remember that, nuts. And if you know the rest of the story, the 101st held out for 10 more days until reinforcements had arrived. So what I want to share with you this morning is that They managed to hold that area for 10 days under incredible circumstances because they stood firm together. And this morning I want to talk to you about this concept of what it means to really stand firm in your faith under what we would see as an invisible attack that's going on in our lives every single day. So let's read the passage of scripture that many of you are familiar with. It's about the armor of God and it's in chapter six, verse 10. So if you have your iPads or your phones available, maybe we could read this together, but I will read it. Finally, be strong in the Lord, not strong in yourself, but strong in the Lord and his mighty power. 
His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. Not half the armor, but put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Pray also for me, that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given to me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. You would think that Paul would not need that prayer in his life, but he did, and so do we. Here's the first principle this morning. We can only be strong in the Lord. We can only be strong in the Lord. See, the enemy we face is not in human strength. And if we try to face the enemy with our flesh, with our humanity, we're going to lose every single time. I I had the privilege of running into Michael Orr a few uh, about a year ago. You all know who Michael Orr is. Remember the movie Blind Side? He's a big offensive lineman in the NFL. Michael's just a sweet, gentle giant, but I met him, and he was going to sleep in my bed that night because uh, he was staying with my son-in-law, and I got into a confrontation with him. It was friendly, and and we were talking back and forth, and I said, Michael, you're not sleeping in my bed tonight, and he says, oh, yeah, I am, and I said, no, Michael, you're not. I'm sleeping in my bed tonight, and we got into this little fun altercation, and I said, Michael, if you don't back down, I'm going to take you out. Do you know how big this guy is? I mean, he's about 6'7", six, 6'8", six, about 350 pounds. He's a giant of a man. I would be no match for him. And when we talk about the principalities and rulers and the, of darkness, this evil, unseen world that's out there, that's a reality, we cannot dare fight that in our own flesh. It's got to be in God's strength. We're wrestling against the powers of these unseen world that's not flesh and blood is what Paul says. And what we see here is that Satan has a sophisticated army of demonic resources all over the world wreaking havoc in the lives of people. And some of his tactics are this, you know, divide and conquer. We know that Satan is the accuser of the brother and he wants us to feel shame. He wants us to feel guilt. He wants to, to feel defeated. That's his tactic. He's also a schemer, a tempter. The scriptures tell us he's a destroyer. He's a deceiver. He's a liar. I mean, he has great trick, trickery ways, wily ways of really getting to us and defeating us as believers. So it's critical that when we fight this fight in life, that we're strong only in the Lord. Only in the Lord. Here's principle number two. Our our responsibility to Satan's attacks is to stand firm. To stand firm. 
You see, we're not told here that we're supposed to go on the offensive. He's saying, look, these attacks will come at us. It'll be an onslaught of attacks. And what you're called to do as a member of the body of Christ is to simply stand your ground, hold your ground. Just like the 101st Airborne, they held their ground until reinforcements came. And our reinforcements, obviously, is Jesus Christ or the power of the Holy Spirit. See, our job is not to go on this witch hunt. Our job is not to go out there and look for the demonic sources that are out there and somehow go out there and go into battle. Our job is to just stand firm. And so he goes on to say, how then can we stand our ground? What do we need to do in order from day to day to withstand the attacks of this evil world that's out there? So what do we do? And so he says, I want you to put on the whole armor of God in verse 13. He says, and he doesn't say put on a piece of the armor. He says, you've got to have the whole armor on because if one of those pieces are not on, Satan is going to find that vulnerable place in your life and he's going to attack that area. That's typically of what he does. So if we don't put the whole armor of God, we're really in trouble. So he says, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. Now, there's some other point here that I want to make, and that is you cannot put on somebody else's armor either. I was thinking about that when I think of David when he was going to fight Goliath. You remember King Saul, he gave him his armor and he put that armor on David. And David says, time out, this doesn't work for me. This doesn't fit me. This is not where I, this is not how I've been trained. This is not what I do. And sometimes in our lives, we seem to kind of use other people's armor to defend ourselves when in reality, it doesn't fit us. I remember growing up in in a Christian home where I was living my parents' Christianity for a lot of years. And when then I got to college, I got very disappointed and disillusioned. And so I had to come to a point in my life between me and God to saying, no, God, this is you and me. This is not about my parents. This is not about my friends who are screwing up. These are not about the hypocrites out there. This is about you and me, and we're going to get on this thing together. And so I found my own identity, and that's a part of what we need to do. We need to make sure that we're putting on our armor, the way God's molded us and shaped shaped us. So he starts out by talking about the belt of truth. That's the first piece of armor that he talks about. Put on the belt of truth. There's a picture of a belt here that I want you to see. Do you have that picture there, Kim? Kimberly? Um, This is an interesting piece of of the armor. Um, I know that as I work for the sheriff's department, I wear what they call a duty belt. And the duty belt wraps around your waist and it's very, very secure. And you make sure that it carries all of your various tools that you need to go, quote, into battle. This is what uh, the belt looked like. A lot of times they would call this the uh, girdle. Um, but it was something that was not restraining, but these straps would, would dangle down here to protect vital parts. And uh, this was designed to also carry the sword. But he calls it the belt of truth. And, and what we're seeing here is, is that this concept of truth is, is, is what it, it's the interior part of our being. And it's what he's really saying is there, put on the belt of integrity. The um, reason I say that is because sometimes we think that um, when we put on the belt of truth, no, we're talking about the word of God. No, what he's saying here is there's this inner truth that I want you to have, and I want it to coincide with what your external behavior is. And so when every day, see, here's, here's the issue. Whenever I've been studying the, the armor of God, I don't know about you, but people say, well, every morning you need to put your armor on. Okay, well, how do you do that? What's the, where's the practicality? How do, how do I make this application in my life? 
And this is our job to put on our armor. And so every morning, it's really critical that we begin our day by saying, God, I want to put on this belt of truth, which means this, that I want to be a man or a woman of integrity. In Psalm chapter 25, verse 21, it says, May integrity and uprightness protect me because my hope is in you. So every morning, it's critical for us to traffic in truth, to pray that we would represent truth, that we would speak truth. So the belt of truth, when we put that on, we're saying, I want to be a man or a woman or a young person of integrity every day of my life. I want the inside to coincide with my outside. That's what really the belt of truth is all about. Now, the second piece of armor, he says, he said, put on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, this is not an imputed righteousness. This is not putting on the righteousness of Christ. This is saying, basically, look, every day you need to be intentionally intentional about being determined to put on this breastplate over your heart so that your motives are always to do the right thing, to always do the right thing. Do you have a picture of the breastplate? It's a really interesting piece. These are all various pieces of metal that are actually tied together with leather leather, so that there's some flexibility here. But as you notice, the breastplate is like a bulletproof vest. It was designed to cover the very vital parts of their organs. And so it was real critical. And the main thing that they were trying to protect was the heart. And so essentially what I think Paul is saying to us this morning is that each day we need to say, God, I want the motive of my heart to do the right thing. Now, if you remember a couple of weeks ago when we talked about carpe diem, we said that to make the most of our opportunity is to understand what the will of God is. And see, when we understand what the will of God is, then when we put on the breastplate of righteousness, then we know what God's will is, and I want to do God's will. I want to do the right thing because it's what God wants. That makes sense? So every day I say, number one, I want to put on this belt of truth. I want to be a man or woman of integrity. And secondly, I want to make sure that every motive of my life is to do the right thing based upon what God's will is for my life. So then the third particular piece of armor he talks about are the shoes of the gospel of peace. The shoes of the gospel of peace. Now, if you look at the shoes here, you notice on the bottom of the shoe, there's these cleats. Some of you who played football or baseball know, or even golf, that you have to have good traction in order to stand your ground. And one of the things that the warriors would do, they would have these cleats on the bottom of their shoes so that when they were in battle, they couldn't be easily knocked off their feet. It was a great way to really have great stability and firmness. Now he says here, I want your shoes to be shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now, how does that relate to us in a practical way? Well, what I believe he's saying is what he says in Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by, through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, when we accepted Christ, we got peace with God, which gives us a firm footing in our spiritual lives, Okay. Then he says, look, don't allow that peace to just drift 
after you come to know Christ, he says, I want you to know that peace to give you firm footing no matter what kind of conflict or confrontation takes place in your life. And so then Paul writes then in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. This is how we can put on and stand firm in the shoes of peace. He says, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything by prayer and petition, what? With thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see, that word guard there is a military term that says, look, peace is such a critical component. You got it when you came to Christ. Now I want you to keep that peace by consistently not being anxious, taking things in prayer from day to day. And by the way, make sure that you're extremely thankful because when you understand your, what God's blessings in your life are, no matter what you're going through, it gives you this solidarity to say, I'm okay, I can deal with this. I can stand firm in the midst of this conflict or this battle that's going on in my life. I can find peace because I got peace when I accepted Christ. And I want to concentrate on that peace by being thankful to God day in and day out. So I put on the shoes of peace so it will guard me from Satan's attacks to make me anxious or worried or stressed out. Does that make sense? So you've got the shoes of peace. You got it when you came to Christ. You continue to grab onto it from day to day as you pray instead of being anxious during those battles. So the best way to combat anxiety and worrying is praying and finding things to be thankful for. That's what I think Paul is saying. You want to put your armor on, those shoes of peace, pray every day and be thankful for those things that God has done in your life. I know consistently when we're under stress, um, some days it, it bugs me, but in reality, she's always right. My wife, Lynn, she says, honey, let's stop and be thankful. What are you thankful for today? And I have to kind of mumble out a couple of things when I don't feel like it. But in reality, when you start really being thankful, doesn't peace kind of overflow your soul? So peace is a critical component to our armor. And you see, let's just take, for instance, stop right here and say, you know what? That's a piece of armor I don't get. That one I have a hard time putting on. Well, how do you think Satan's going to attack you? He's going to give you some instances in your life where there's going to be stress. There's going to be anxious moments. He's going to fire away at you because he knows that's a vulnerable place in your life. So putting on the full armor. So let's move on. We're going to go from the shoes of peace. Now he says, take up the shield of faith. Now, let's take a look at the shield for a minute. A shield was basically built out of wood strips, and they were, you know, contoured so that it would surround the, the warrior's body. And they were, because they were made of wood, it was really important for them to cover the front of the, of the shield with leather. Because what would happen in battle is they would shoot these fiery arrows. And you've probably seen some of that, especially like in Braveheart, if you remember that particular movie. But they would fire these arrows up and they would stick these shields up to stop these flaming arrows. Now, if they were wooden shields and there was no leather on the front of it, those shields would actually catch fire. And so what what he's saying here is Paul is talking about these fiery darts. In reality, that's exactly what was happening. They would put leather over the top of it because somehow leather would douse those fire arrows. So he says, now I want you to take the shield of faith up. Now he says, take it up. We can't, the shield of faith does no good laying on the ground. 
I used to go out with the SWAT team in Phoenix uh, to do drug busts and things like that. And one of the things they would carry with these bunkers, they were called bunkers, and they were these real heavy shields that were pretty much bulletproof. But those things are really heavy. But boy, I'll tell you what, when you take that up, you really feel pretty secure. Taking up the shield of faith. In other words, there's something active here that has to take place. And Paul reminds us of this again in Corinthians where he says this, 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be men of courage, be strong. In other words, every day is a day of, am I going to trust God or not? Am I going to rely on God or not? Because when we talk about trusting God, we're talking about trusting in and relying on God. Do we really believe that? And so on a day-to-day basis, it's really critical for us to say, you know what, God, whatever comes my way, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to put my faith in you, knowing that you are the only one who can extinguish these fiery darts that Satan throws at me in my life. And so I completely and fully trust and rely upon you every day. Now, if you go back to relying on yourself, what are you doing? You're trying to fight this unseen evil world in the flesh or as a human being, and you're going to lose every time. So he says, listen, this steel of faith is so critically important that you hold it up every day intentionally and say, God, I trust you. I'm going to rely on you today. It's not going to be me. It's going to be you. So the shield of faith is a critical component to protecting ourselves from day to day. Now the fifth piece of armor he talks about is the helmet of salvation. Now this one's really interesting because a lot of times we think that the helmet is the helmet of salvation. Well, I put that on when I got saved, right? But I think there's something bigger here. Let's take a look at the helmet. You can see the helmet obviously covers our head. And we know for sure that scripture tells us that the battle that Satan tries to wage in us is usually in our minds, right? It's in our head. And one of the very important pieces that Satan tries to deal with us is this matter of doubt. How did he, first of all, tempt Eve? Wasn't it to plant doubt in her mind? To plant doubt in her mind and to to say, you know, Eve, did God really say that? And so what I see here is the helmet of salvation has been equated in other passages of scriptures that is really called the helmet of hope. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 8, it says, But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as our helmet. You know what I really enjoy doing? I, you know, a lot of people... TiVo football games or baseball games because they don't want to know the outcome of the game. But you know what I love to do? I love to know the outcome of the game when my team wins. And so I love watching it because I know my team's going to win. And it's just really a lot of fun because I can sit there and even though they're maybe behind by three runs, I know that somewhere along the way, my team is going to win. Right? Chris is saying that because he's a Dodger fan and I'm a Diamondbacks fan, so we won't go there this morning. But what I love about that is that I already know in my head and in my heart that my team is a winner. And when we put on the helmet of salvation, basically what we've, been, what we've done is we've joined a team that's ultimately going to win. 
We're more than conquerors, Scripture says. We have the hope of our salvation. So no matter what we're going through in our daily lives, no matter what's happening, at the bottom of the ninth inning, if that's even where it's at, bottom of the ninth inning, by golly, somebody's going to hit a home run because I'm a winner. That's what the helmet of salvation, I think, really means. The day we accepted Jesus Christ, we joined the winning team. Yes, there are a lot of battles and conflicts along the journey, but ultimately, I know that I'm going to heaven and Satan is going to be bound. Satan is not way. Okay. Spiritual battle, eh? I mean, we just talked about it. Satan's a liar and Satan is defeated. Amen. He was defeated at the cross. And when you came to know Jesus Christ, you have the hope of your salvation. So no matter what's going on in life, I've got that to look forward to because I'm on the winning team. That's really cool. Now, After he says this, he says, take up the sword of the spirit. The best way to combat the attacks of Satan is to hide the word of God in your heart. We know this, that the sword of the spirit is the only real offensive weapon that we carry, right? And the way Jesus defended himself when Satan was attacking him in the desert, if you remember, after 40 days of, of absolute total uh, denial of his, of his flesh, Satan comes along and offers him these temptations. And what does Jesus do? He quotes scripture. Man shall not live by bread alone. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. He quotes scripture. He quotes truth. You see, what the sword of the spirit does, it's the word of God here. And this is the essence of truth. And so we need to know the truth, right? And we also know that the truth will set us free. So we need to traffic in truth. So by golly, if we don't know this word and we don't have the ammunition or, or, or the sword at our disposal, then it's really hard to combat Satan. I know that there's a lot of people who struggle with various addictions, and and there are scriptures that really talk specifically towards those addictions or those sin or temptation issues, and it would behoove us to really memorize those scriptures and hide that word in our heart so that when Satan comes with that temptation, I can pull out my sword and say, gotcha! Because what happens is we oftentimes live just simply on the defensive side and Satan wants us to feel defeated as a victim. When in reality, we have the sword of the spirit. We have the truth. And the truth is the type of thing that we need to get acquainted with so that when those things come, I can hit it right head on with the truth of the living God and then we can defeat Satan. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. That's what scripture tells us. And the way we resist is through the sword of the spirit. Now, Paul says something else here, which we don't often read when we get to the whole business of the armor of God. How does he address the rest of this? He says, look, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds. Sorry about that of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the saints. 
Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. What does he say? Pray, 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 pray. See, we put our armor on through prayer. We pray those things periodically. You know, I've heard people say, you know, I'm going to pray my armor on. But how do we do that? I mean, how, how do we actually do that? And hopefully I'm going to give you a prayer this morning that I think could be a very powerful prayer in your life. But I, I thought it'd be interesting to let you know that there are some secret prayer prayer people here. Would you show that, that picture here, Kimberly? You don't know this, but there are a couple of people every Sunday morning who walk through this auditorium and touch every single chair in this auditorium and pray over each one of those. Did you know that? People are praying for you as you come in, and it's basically saying, pray in the spirit on all occasions of all kinds of requests with this in mind, be alert and always keep praying for all the saints. There's a couple of ladies here every Sunday morning that are here early who are walking by each one of these chairs or each one of these seats, praying whoever sits there that God would really touch their hearts and lives. Isn't that cool? Prayer is a critical component to this. And I'm going to give you a prayer this morning that I hope will give you a practical way of really putting your armor on. So let's take a look at that prayer this morning. This is a prayer that I wrote this week because I feel like it's a way that I can pray every day a lot better and more intelligently about what it means to put the armor of God on. It says, look, Heavenly Father, it is my desire this morning to be a person of integrity. May all my actions today be trafficked in truth. I want to always do the right thing at the right time, wanting to discern your will in every situation. When I am tempted to be anxious, first remind me of those blessings in my life, and secondly, to cast my anxiety on you. I know there may come times of doubt, but it is my desire to completely put my trust in you, no matter what the outcome, because I know you have everything under control. Finally, remind me of those special truths and promises in your word so that throughout the day I may fix my mind on things that are above. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. That's how we put the armor on. Every one of those pieces of armor has been addressed in that prayer. But it gives us a practical and relevant way to pray every day so that we can stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Amen. Would you be willing to read that prayer with me together one more time? Could we put that back on the screen, Kimberly? Let's read that together. And I pray that it would be a prayer that you could pray this morning as we read this together. Shall we do that? Let's read it together. Heavenly Father. It is my desire to be a person of integrity. May all my actions today be trafficked in truth. I want to always do the right thing at the right time, wanting to discern your will in every situation. When I am tempted to be anxious, first remind me of those blessings in my life, and secondly, to cast my anxiety on you. I know there may come times of doubt, but it is my desire to completely put my trust in you, no matter what the outcome, 
because I know you have everything under control. Finally, remind me of those special truths and promises in your word so that throughout the day, I may fix my mind on things above. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I hope that's your prayer this morning. It finishes up why we are here. Let me just close with some questions for you. Do you think we have a tendency to diminish the role of the unseen world in the U.S.? I think we do. Folks, we, these are very real battles that are taking place over us in the unseen world. And I fear that we diminish that because of our Western mindset that everything has to be logical and real and tangible when in reality the spirit world is very alive and very well. Please don't underestimate the powers of the unseen world, but greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Secondly, I want you to remember that the battle is usually in your head. And in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, Paul writes very clearly that we need to take every thought captive to the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the book of Ephesians giving us purpose, giving us the way to live our lives. And I'm thankful for these illustrations, this metaphor of the armor of God. And Lord, I pray that I would be a man of integrity, trafficking in truth, a man who completely trusts in you, And when those anxious moments come, that I would be reminded of your great blessings because you got it all under control. But God, more than anything, help us to all know, no matter how defeated we feel today, the victory is won. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the audio from Cornerstone Church in Prescott, Arizona. For more information, visit us online at www.prescottcornerstone.com.